Welcome to Knowledge Engaged, the podcast of the University of Nottingham's Institute for Policy and Engagement. And welcome to another COP26-themed episode. My name is Ben Sherwood, and today I am joined by Dr. Mike Clifford. Mike is an Associate Professor in the Faculty of Engineering here at the University, and today we're going to be talking about cookstoves, why they're important, why it's important to improve the efficiency of cookstoves in terms of the environment, but also the cultural aspects and the more personal relationships people have with food and cooking. Mike, could you tell us a little bit about your research, how it came about? It's a bit of a long story. I I started as a lecturer in the department, started a millennium really, and I was suddenly faced with having lots of students that I had to keep occupied with projects. And I wasn't really an engineer by background for quite a while, and but I was quite passionate about working for justice and for the poor, actually. And I was involved with a charity called Tear Fund. And I put a Problems Wanted advert in one of their newsletters um, that goes all around the world. And it, and it said, well, Problems Wanted, if you have an engineering challenge that you'd like some help with, drop me a line and I'll see what I can do about it. And I got hundreds and hundreds of emails and letters back in the day when people wrote letters, really, <laughs> all around the world, various kind of challenges, some of them, you know, completely uh, out of my league, really. But one that really struck me in that first batch was from an organisation in Uganda who wanted to start little businesses in their village. And they said, we haven't got a bakery. So we'd like to start a bakery to employ people and to produce lovely fresh bread. But we haven't got any equipment. So please, could you build us an oven? And uh, wrote back and said, oh, yeah, sure. Um, gas or electric? And they said, no, no, no. Wood, please. <laughs> and we'd like to bake 400 loaves of bread a day. Uh, and that, that kind of started my adventures in cookstoves, I guess. And we did a project and we got some students involved and we built a stove and sent it over to Uganda and got some lovely publicity with lots of happy, smiling faces all saying thank you, Dr. Mike and whatever. And it all, all looked really good. And then six months later, I followed it up and said, oh, how's it going? And um, they said, well, we stopped using the stove. Uh, oh, OK, what, what's happened? And I said, well, we can't mix enough dough to bake 400 loaves of bread a day. So, you know, we need some more equipment. So it, it really struck me as, you know, we've designed what the, the people had asked for. We've given them, we sort of followed the spec, but we'd really not, I guess, not asked the right sort of questions about mm. how this technology was going to be used, whether it was sustainable and um, whether it was appropriate, actually. So, uh, you know, I, I guess learning by failure is quite a, quite a good thing for engineers. So, so that was the first cookstove project and it was a bit of a failure. Which is, I guess, not necessarily a bad thing because you've clearly taken on that information from that, learned from that. I think it's something a lot of people are quite prone to. I know I'm prone to it of, as you say, asking the wrong questions and finding out what someone wants, not necessarily what they need. It sounds like it was an incredible thing that you did. A shame that it didn't work out quite how <laughs> you'd originally <laughs> intended. Did you happen to go back and do any more work with them? I didn't actually, and, and I've never visited Uganda. Uh, and I think part of that was the problem that I hadn't visited some of these locations. So subsequently, it's been nice to kind of visit locations where my researchers and I've been working and to engage with people on that sort of grassroots level and to watch people cook and to see what they value. And I had a postgrad a few years ago who kind of perfected the art of just sort of hanging around. I th- I'm sure there's a social science term for it, but just kind of observing a bit bit of sort of, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, almost ethnography, really. So kind of hanging around with social scientists has been great for the last 20 years. And uh, yeah, seeing their reaction 
connections to technology. And I think I've, I've become increasingly cynical about the idea that engineering technology can just fix any problem. You know, I guess yeah. kind of climate debates at the moment, the idea that, well, the engineers will fix it. You know, we'll come up with a magic bit of technology that will, I don't know, create energy from um, rice husks or from sunlight or from whatever. And, you know, we won't we can fix the climate just like that. And you start to realise that, no, you can't. And, yeah, it's, it's really challenging for an engineer to see problems that are perhaps unsolvable or messy. I think people talk about wicked problems. Um, mm. I particularly like the term, but this idea that, you know, it's, it's just too hard or too hard for a simple solution anyway. Yeah, there is that, as you've just brought up, this whole human element to it. And you can't necessarily just, yeah, on paper, the engineered solution would solve a problem, but it, you can't give that to someone and expect that to tick the box. As you say, you've written a blog for us, which I will link in the show notes to this episode so you can read it. It's a fantastic blog entry. Well, I believe it's also being released on the same day this episode is being released. So everyone should be able to take in as much Dr. Mike Clifford as they want today. 24 <laughs> 7 um, Mike. That's wonderful. 24 7 Mike. <laughs> Yeah, so I know you bring up in what you wrote in the blog and what you've written more widely as well, the more human ethical approach to cook stoves and that it's not just a tool for cooking, that there's other stuff going on. So could you possibly just talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I, when you read um, journal papers on cookstove design, particularly the sort of papers that are written by engineers, you know, the first few lines will kind of give a bit of a nod to the kind of social dimension. But then you get kind of turn over the page and it's all equations and thermal performance and whatever. And I think a lot of these papers that you read, you wouldn't you wouldn't know the purpose of a cookstove. They never mention food, for example. Really? Which is quite incredible. Yeah. So they'll mention cooking performance or there, but they won't actually mention what dishes are cooked on that, that stove. And that's really important. Yeah, that seems like a pretty integral part of it. Yeah. And, and you know, we, we kind of so associate nationalities with food, don't we? You know, you, you think of Italy, you know, if you, you think pizza and you think France, you think, you know, the wonderful kind of cuisine there and whatever. And, you know, England, you think of roast beef, I suppose, or fish and chips maybe balty these days but you know it's um th there's this deep embedded in culture food and, and we, we just lose that when we start talking about cook stoves as if they're some sort of i don't know device to i don't know what they meant what what people think they're used for when they write these papers but um yeah food yeah. doesn't get a mention usually yeah because i know in this country there's such an integrated aspect of food in just daily life a lot of people say the home revolves around the kitchen and mm. yeah there's a reason for that mm. yeah yeah definitely so I distinctly remember reading you saying that improving a particular cook stove to make it less smoky mm. helped a family get closer together because <laughs> yeah. family members felt more comfortable being in the same room whilst cooking was happening because the smoke was literally stinging their eyes before. Yeah, that was an incredible story. So that was from Tanzania, um, a project that I'm involved with still actually over there on biogas stoves. So there's quite a lot of cattle farming and mm. the manure is often sort of just left on the fields or whatever, which isn't the best way of applying it to crops. It's better to kind of let it ferment down, if you like. So you can put it in a big kind of uh, vat underground, if you like, and then it will ferment away, produce some methane that you can then use as a cooking fuel. And then the digestate, the kind of mushed down cow dung, particularly if you mix it with some vegetable matter as well, is a much better fertilizer at the end of it. Right. 
some of our researchers went back to a couple that have had a, a stove put in, a, a unit put in, and a lovely couple. And they, they talked to the lady of the house and said, well, how's having a biogas stove changed your, your life? And I guess we were expecting, oh, you know, saving money on fuel or less smoke in my eyes or, you know, just cooking faster or, or whatever, the usual sort of tick boxes that you have on your survey form. And this lady said, oh, it's really improved our marriage. And the, the person doing the interview said, mm, sorry, <laughs> what do you mean improved your marriage? And she explained that her husband never used to come into the kitchen because it was smoky and he didn't like getting smoke in his eyes. And there was some sort of story about, well, he was a community leader. And and if he's he was seen to be his eyes watering, that was bad because people thought it was bad news. You know, I, I don't, don't really buy that, actually. I think it was just that men don't like to be in smoky kitchens, you know, and no one likes to be in a smoky <laughs> kitchen. But she said, well, now we use this gas stove, you know, methane stove. He comes into the kitchen more often and we talk and we talk about the family. We talk about the finances. And, you know, that talking has just helped our relationship. Yeah. And, and it's amazing because, you know, you write bids for funding and you concentrate on the, the headline issues. You, you say, well, you know, four million people a year die from cookstove smoke and cookstoves are responsible for, I think, 25 percent of the black carbon emitted and about a third of the global CO2 emissions. And you, you talk about deforestation and all this kind of thing. And, and you hope those kind of open the purse strings of the donors and whatever, because they're really impressive things. Mm. But actually, if these stoves improve people's marriages and just make cooking more pleasant, you know, I think that's equally as valuable, really but harder to articulate and harder to put a number on. You know, I think that's, yeah, it's the whole engineering thing, isn't it? That sometimes we yeah. think the only thing that count that are things that can be counted. And I want to get away from that a bit and say, you know, actually the, the task of cooking, that how pleasant it is to cook is a big part of improving someone's lifestyle. Yeah, it's funny because I was, I was about to ask you, like, despite what we've just talked about, what are the big important reasons for improving the quality of cook stoves? But, you know, you, you kind of just listed them off and, and, it sounds like the interpersonal relationships is almost as important because mm. obviously we're talking about COP26 at the moment and, and how we can support climate change efforts. Mm. And so obviously improving efficiency of cook stoves globally is something that would help, as you just said, because of the black carbon, because of the emissions, mm. etc. But there, yeah, there is this deeper aspect of people's relationships, people's quality of life, their health, I assume. Certainly for for here, I don't know how this applies to to other places, but I don't know. I feel like it would be a way of encouraging more people to actually cook their own food rather than maybe buy it. So I guess there is a health aspect to that as well. But it's, yeah, it's it's really interesting to hear all of that. Yeah, and and I think globally there's a lot of emphasis now on clean cooking which for me sounds a bit clinical, actually. And, you know, I, I remember having a, a, a wok. So Ken Home, you know, f, you know, in terms of UK, far, father of introducing sort of Chinese cuisine to the UK. But he would say, you know, when I come into your house, I'll ask, how dirty is your wok? Because this idea that the wok actually has some flavour in it and you season it, you don't kind of, you know, scrub it every time you've yeah. used it. So I don't really like this idea of clean cooking. I, I, I like a bit of, not dirt in the cooking, but a bit of, bit of flavour and a bit of something in it. And I guess I prefer this idea of healthy cooking and health in that real kind of, you know, as wide as you like, from the food that you're putting in the pan to the fuel you're using, to the smoke that it's giving off, to the calories and the, the fat and the sugar and the whatever that's in it. So I, I kind of like a more integrated approach, really, rather than just seeing a cook stove as some sort of engineering artefact, I guess, that you put fuel in and you get some sort of performance out of. Yeah, it's good because in previous episodes of this series, we've talked about 
these kind of like links in a chain you can't just isolate all these different things they're all connected they all lead to another and this it sounds like another one of those that you can't just pick out one little bit of the culture of cooking i guess and just be like that's the bit we improve even if you pick out one bit you affect that bit and that bit and that bit this is a really interesting way to think about it yeah and and the choice of how you cook is you know i I always say i've probably got about i don't know probably a dozen ways of cooking in my kitchen if you count things like the sandwich toaster that's tucked away in the back of the cupboard (laughs) and you know popcorn maker or whatever that's that's probably somewhere there and you know and and when i cook do i choose the most efficient way to cook well probably not you know my microwave's probably quite efficient but i'll go for something that's going to cook my food in a in the best way and best way for me means the tastiest so i'll tend to you know put my sunday roast in the in the convection oven because it's going to taste nicer than than cooking it in the microwave and um, i think we forget that when we start designing for other people you know we think that you know people are going to choose the most efficient way to do something well no they're going to choose the way they like best or the the most comfortable way or a traditional way you know in, in the two weeks of british summer we all get out into our gardens and we start barbecuing you know despite having (laughs) really much better technology in the kitchen but for whatever reason we think you know burning our uh, (laughs) our burgers and our sausages and whatever and you know half cooking them is is better somehow well something about it just makes it taste nicer you know that's uh, you know which is defiance i don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, so i guess then when it comes to recommendations going forward in terms of you know, cultural aspects or COP26, whichever you like, what, what would you say is the number one recommendation? My number one recommendation would be a bottom-up participatory approach to cook stove design. And there's a lot of kind of nods to that in the literature. Oh, yeah, of course, we want people to, to be involved in designing their technologies. But actually, quite often that's forgotten. And, you know, and I'm guilty of this. Uh, stoves are designed in the US, in the UK, in labs, in research institutes. Yeah. And actually, there's there's very little interaction sometimes or, or sort of meaningful interactions with people that are actually going to use this technology. And that's vital. You know, from I remember I uh, had a student project looking at a cook stove for India and it was a really quite nice design. It was a two pot stove, but one pot on top of the other sort of stacked. Um, so it's yeah. quite novel. And they made some a prototype and they, they actually took it, took it out to communities where they hoped it would be used. And the biggest bit of feedback we got was we don't like yellow. And they painted the stove yellow. And that's the biggest thing, you know, and you just think, yeah, you know, when we buy stuff for our kitchens, the sort of colour, the look of it is is really important. But when we start to design it for other people, we think, oh, just, you know, (laughs) whatever. It doesn't matter what it looks like, doesn't matter the colour. But these things are important. You know, we if we were launching that stove, it would have completely uh, crashed because we painted it the wrong (laughs) colour. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. There's always a bit of a problem with people at the top of various industries deciding what people at the bottom what they need and yeah there, there was a previous episode we recorded it's already been released with Charles Agumbade mm-hmm. and he talked quite a bit about a very similar bottom-up approach and, and engaging ethnic minority communities in the conversation mm-hmm. and this feels like such a parallel to just engage them in conversation it doesn't take much mm-hmm. to just talk to them and find out what they want what they need yeah so Mike if anyone wanted to find out more where would you recommend they go and look to find out more about your work and, and what's going on? 
Uh, yeah, it depends where they're coming from. There's some academic papers linked to the blog post, I think, so they can read those if they like. If they want something a bit more, <laughs> I'm not going to say my papers are dull, but, you know, something a bit more engaging, I suppose. We, we did something a few years ago called the Great African Bake Off, and there's some videos on YouTube of that, actually. We did events in Malawi and Zambia, uh, and one at Nottingham, actually, as well, with the Nottingham Refugee Forum. So that, that was a really good event to see some of these stoves in action and people giving their feedback about them, actually which is yeah. that was a, a really special day a few years ago now so so look out for those yeah well i will absolutely get those links and pop them in the description so everyone can can have a watch as well because that sounds incredible so you're doing a lot of work with the refugee forum locally as well i take it sporadically yeah i mean they've been a really good source um i mean <laughs> yeah going forwards I, i've certainly missed out on my trips to, to sub-saharan africa this year and the last couple of years um you know, if things had been different, I'd be in Malawi at the moment. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we're, we've realised that actually Nottingham, we've got such a diverse community and people from all around the world and um, actually getting perspectives from, from different uh, cultures and communities and different cooks is pretty easy, actually, just um, without having to leave Nottingham. And I could talk about stoves, you know, forever, I suppose. This is this is the thing. I think once you get me on the topic, it's hard to get me <laughs> And I've got so many anecdotes about cook stoves. And if I ever get to retirement, I think writing my kind of memoirs, there's a book called Clifford on Cooking or Cooking with Clifford. That's the one which I think is uh, written in Ireland in about 1992 by some sort of TV chef called Clifford, someone or other. But, uh, you know, I might steal that title, um, Cooking with Clifford, and uh, write up all these stories and anecdotes that I've collected over the years. Right. Well, keep an eye out for that book when that comes out. <laughs> And I should probably also say that in the middle of Nottingham, very soon, there will be a pop-up shop with a lot of COP26 themed exhibitions and workshop spaces going on. And I know, Mike, you've you've kind of lended us one of your cook stoves that we're going to have on display. Yes. Yeah, that's one I picked up in, in Ghana uh, called Japa, which I think I think means fire or something. It's a kind of charcoal stove. And it's not the, the best environmentally in terms of environmental performance but it's better than sort of a traditional version charcoal boiler so um yeah have a look at that it's it's quite interesting to look at you know what i mean by cook stove because i guess we when you say cooking and cook stove people have all sorts of images in their minds so actually go along and have a look at that and yeah, uh, yeah see what uh, what people cook on great but yeah so mike thank you so much for joining me and talking about this it's been a really really interesting conversation i really appreciate it great thanks ben good to talk Thank you for listening to Knowledge Engaged. Please look in the show notes and you'll find all of the links to everything that we discussed during the episode. You'll also find out more information about the Institute and Mike's work. Keep an eye out for upcoming episodes as we continue our COP26 themed series, but also keep an eye out for our special episode for Black History Month. Thank you for listening. Thank you.